0: Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Thank you so much, everybody, for serving. I love serve day. You know, we started out the huddle stacking hands on the word gladness, because Psalm 104 says serve the Lord with gladness. And it's so fun to watch that video of everyone just so glad serving, everyone happy, doing their thing. It's fun to serve, it's fun to give, fun to bless. So thank you for that great day. Thank you to the surf team for instigating all of those uh, things and all the project leaders and all of your creativity. I wanna say thanks to Chris and Ethan Brown for a lot of their video work and turning a video around that that quickly to get to celebrate what happened uh, just not even like 24 hours ago. It's so cool, so great. So just one more celebration. Thank you all. Way to go. Yeah, amen. Well, today we begin a new sermon series on the armor of God. The armor of God is an illustration in scripture of how to defend yourself against the battles that we face in life. Rockbrook for Kids did a powerful series on the armor of God not too long ago. It's very impacting a lot of kids talking about it. I had parents say, and this armor of God uh, thing that's happening in our family is very powerful right now. This series that we're going to do is going to answer how do we face the everyday battles that we have in this world. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, so we just finished up a chapter of Romans that he wrote to believers in Rome. Uh, he also wrote the book of Ephesians, this letter to, to the Ephesians. So what the Apostle Paul would do is he would plant a church in a, in a city like Ephesus. And then he would move on and go to plant more churches, raise more leaders, spread the gospel. And so maybe while he was over here planting a church in this city, he'd write back to a city uh, at a church that he planted or to a leader that uh, that he helped. And in the book of Ephesians, he's actually in Rome at this point, but he's imprisoned. And he's writing back to the churches in Ephesus to strengthen them, to encourage them, while he's chained to a Roman guard in a Roman prison. He's writing them to, he's imprisoned, chained for spreading the gospel, for strengthening and encouraging the church, for preaching the message of Christ. And he says he writes to uh, the churches in Ephesus to strengthen and encourage them. And so there's many different topics through the book of Ephesians. Uh, He talks about God's amazing grace. He prays for wisdom and revelation. Then he writes about how to really truly be alive. And then how to find peace in Christ he talks about God's mysterious plan being revealed and how to grow spiritually then he talks about the church and how it's to be built up and the gifts that he's given that God has given to the church and then he goes through our relationships and how to be children of God how to live in the the spirit's power uh, how to have relationships as husbands to be a wise as husbands, how to be a great wife, how to have a great marriage. He talks about the relationships of children and parents. He's just pouring out his heart about the Christian faith and how it can impact our lives. And it's so powerful, so amazing. When I think about the book of Ephesians, a couple of things come to mind. One of them is a friend of mine who uh, was a drug addict for many years and it had warped his mind to a great degree and just struggled thinking clearly, having a correct worldview. And he said that while he was in rehab, two powerful things happened because if you know him today, I mean, he's the man of God I want to be. He's the, the husband, the father, uh, the, the the parent that you'd want to be just such a godly guy, and he told me once that in rehab two things impacted him deeply. One was he never discovered or heard any Christian music before, and he discovered a band called Third Day, which is a popular Christian band, has many records, and got all of their albums and was just listening to Christian music and listening to Third Day uh, constantly through his rehab. And the other thing, the second thing, is he says he read the book of Ephesians over and over and over again through his rehab, through his recovery, and says he literally, the word of God healed physically his mind, his body, his worldview, and how he sees the world and how he sees God. And the word of God and the washing of the word through this music and through scripture turned his life around and he's a person that people from his old life do not even recognize anymore that's the power of the word of God that's the power of the book of Ephesians I think of another thing in Ephesians is a 21 days of prayer a few years ago where uh, I encouraged people that if if you open up your Bible and just don't even know where to begin right now I encouraged them to open up the book to, of Ephesians and read through that a few times during 21, the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And more than one person came to me at the end of the 21 days and said, this is the most uh, impactful spiritual growth time of my life was being washed in the word of God and the word of Ephesians. It's powerful, it's impacting. And so Paul writes about all these different things It's preserved to us, this letter that he wrote to the Ephesians in God's grace. And just before he closes the letter, he writes this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We'll come back to this. For our struggle is not against what you think it is the fight that we're in is not against what you think it is or who you think it is for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms he's saying that as he's closing this letter there's another realm there's another thing going on, there's more going on than you think there is. And he brings up the enemy, the adversary, Satan, the devil, before he finishes this. And that we must put on the armor of God so that we can stand strong against our enemy and his schemes. So I wanted to take a moment before we enter in to the armor of God, which we'll see what that is today, but answering this question that he sets it up of the devil's schemes. Now, anytime uh, you want to talk about what the devil is like, what God is like, and maybe you didn't come to church expecting this kind of topic or this kind of thing today, or or maybe this makes you a little bit nervous or uneasy, or you don't know what to do with this, and uh, I would just remind you that, I mean, good and evil... It's a part of everything we see, everything we we do, almost anything we take in, and almost anything that's created, we're always seeing this battle of good and evil happening, and this good and, and evil. I mean, that's honestly, that's why Marvel movies cannot lose. Every single one is a ginormous hit because it's touching on this battle that we really know that we're all in is a battle of right and wrong, of good and evil, of light and darkness. And anytime you want to really get into that and talk about what the enemy is like, what God is like, what demons are like, what angels are like, I just give you this word of caution. Hear this today. You really want those things to be framed in and filled in by the word of God. Because the devil would love nothing more than for him to be the one to tell you what he's like. Because he'll lie to you about it. He'll deceive you about it. And it can lead to a lot of other deceptions. The word of God tells us who the enemy is, what his mission is. The word of God tells us what God is really like. And you don't want to be deceived about these things. You don't want to guess. You don't want... a a, a television show to tell you about what the devil's like you don't want to just connect some dots on your own you don't want to imagine it you don't want to take someone else's word for it God tells us what God is like and God's word tells us what the enemy's schemes are And so I just pulled a handful from Scripture and the points are directly out of the Scripture of what are, if we're to stand our ground against the devil's schemes, what are the devil's schemes? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, you might write this in. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. Without God left to ourselves, we easily succumb to the devil's schemes. We can be so mired by the affairs of the world, by the problems of this world, the moral darkness of this world, that we completely lose sight of God. And he tries to blind your mind so that you cannot hear the truth, you cannot understand it. 2 Corinthians 4.4 Satan, who is the God, little g, of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. This is why when we pray for unbelievers, we pray that God would open, open their minds to where they could see it, to where they could understand it. The cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. It doesn't make sense to them. When God opens your eyes, you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to see. I get it, I I understand, I understand my need for it. Number two, another of the devil's schemes is he tries to steal God's word from us. He tries to rob you of God's word. For example, and and I I bet a lot of you can relate to this because there have been times in my life, times in your life, where you've heard something from God or, or you read his word or heard, to, heard his word or went to a worship service or, or something that was very powerful and it did something inside of you and it piqued some spiritual curiosity or you were leaning into the things of God and you thought maybe this is real and maybe this is good and maybe I need to embrace this and maybe I need to act on this and then you got up the next day and you were distracted by something and life happens, and all of those spiritual thoughts, all of those things that were stirring inside of you, you, you wonder, what was that? And it's like, you can't even remember what it was. Like, I remember there was something powerful about what they were saying. I remember there was something powerful going on, but I can't even really articulate what it was, and I can't even remember what they were saying, and I, I thought I would do this, and I And you think, man, I'm doing this thing maybe, but I can't remember why I'm doing it. And so you start to drift and lose your way. Where did it go? Why did that vanish from you? Jesus tells us why it vanished in Matthew 13. The seed, he's using an illustration of a farmer casting seed. Um, It's an illustration of casting the word or the message of the kingdom of God. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. He steals away the word of God, the message of Christ, the message of hope. And when we don't have the armor of God on, we're susceptible to the word of God being pulled away from us. The clarity that we received from it is replaced with clarity. A third Um, scheme of the devil is that he sets traps to ensnare us now whenever I think of this verse whenever I think about the traps of the enemy I I always go to I've told you this before I, I always think of the dumpsters behind the church because raccoons love the dumpsters behind the church I don't know how many times I've been scared or startled by a raccoon in one of those dumpsters. Maybe you're like me, a little amen from Chris Brown in the house this morning. If you have been scared or startled by a raccoon in one of the dumpsters. And the best day of the year, if you're a raccoon wanting to go to the church dumpster, the best day of the year is Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, because if we've had a thanksgiving meal up here at the church a lot of the waste at the end of thanksgiving day ends up in the dumpster and raccoons love it and on Black Friday, if you were to go throw something away in the church dumpster, you would not be startled or scared by a raccoon because the raccoons are too fat to move. And they are just laying in the dumpster there, motionless, lying there in their own gluttony, and they just lay there. By the way, if you ever need a raccoon to run away from you and you've been startled by a raccoon, Cuss words really seem to work well, I know from personal experience. (laughs) But they're lying there in their own gluttony. And let's go look back to the words, 2 Timothy 2.25. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. So how do we instruct those who are opposing the truth? Perhaps, God, we do it gently because perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Let me make this clear. that The enemy's trap in this illustration is the dumpster. And we can be the raccoon. You're the one he's trying to trap. Have you ever noticed this? That if there's any point of vulnerability in your life, some area where there's a weakness... And there's something that just always seems uh, to find you, to tempt you, to fall on that weakness. If, if you're trying to purify your mind, the next thing you know, there's images there to create a lustful thought or, or to uh, bring impure things into your mind. You want a healthier marriage and you desire a healthier marriage, but some other guy or girl starts talking to someone in the marriage and, and starts bringing in clarity or it starts clouding it. Or You try to get out of debt and then there's more opportunities for debt. Wherever you're weak, that's where the enemy loves to attack. And he's always making things look more attractive than they really are. The Bible says that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. So he fools us. He tricks us. And he would love to tell you that oh, all of the temptations of, of his are, you know, a, a devil and pitchfork and it's all going to lead to fire. No, he comes as an angel of light and he makes it look right and he makes it look good and he makes it look loving. But if you don't know the truth of it, you get ensnared into his trap. 2 Timothy and Proverbs 6, all throughout Scripture. It's clear that the enemy sets traps for us. Now, if you have the armor of God on, you don't have to fear the trap. That's why we're doing this series. But he sets traps to ensnare us. Number four, he works to discourage us. For example, you get a vision from God to do something. and, And watch how Satan will try to block you. The Apostle Paul said that at one point he was blocked by the enemy and it was so discouraging. Discouragement is a major tool of the enemy. Uh, discouragement can come in lots of different ways: failure, uh, no one shows up for your serve day project, or no one shows up for your ministry. Or opposition, all kinds of resistance. We can face discouragement from rumors and from put downs and misunderstandings and miscommunications. Comparison—it's a big source of discouragement. Fatigue and illness can be so discouraging in our life doubt he uses division to to discourage us is the enemy ever successful in getting Christians to work against other Christians yes all the time and it's discouraging it can be depressing where do you think all of that discouragement where do you think all those things that I just listed out right there where do you think those come from in other words where do they have their root Look what comes from God in James 1, 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So discouragement, dismay, and clarity, those have their root in the devil's schemes, in the enemy. They don't have their root in God. The fifth scheme is that he seduces people into error. Intellectually, the devil seduces people into error, teaching false doctrines, where they begin to believe, we can begin to believe something that's not true. Now this can happen on a large scale, or what, what we would think is a big deal. There's things that we don't think are a big deal that the enemy, uh, the enemy does, but this can happen big or small. It could be believing in a false religion, in a false god. It could be saying, I'm going to give up on belief altogether. It can be that people begin believing in the occult or in mysticism or in mediums or in cards of some kind. Any, anything but the one true living God. That's the enemy's desire. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly That in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. The enemy hates the truth. The enemy is a liar. He seduces people into error. He He can't create anything. So he takes the good thing that God gives and distorts it. Brings disdain to it. Just manipulates it a different way. And he seduces people into error. And six, the enemy schemes, is he entices people to sin. Uh, one of the devil's names, you can see this in 1 Thessalonians or Luke 4, he's called the tempter, and he gets things to look one way. Gets it to look shiny, fun, party, great. It's like a fishing lure out there. He hides the hook. He makes it look attractive and right, but hides the hook. And the world takes on uh, the the same sentiments, the same strategy, all of the time. Like, when's the last time you saw an alcoholic beverage company run an ad that includes a person in recovery? Like, when's the last time you saw a, an ad, you saw in an ad a couple working three or four jobs to pay off their debt in an advertisement for, you know, fill in the blank? It always looks great. It always looks like my life will be better with this thing or if, my li- if I choose this thing or go down this road and the hook is hidden. And I could go on and on and on, but you get the idea. We're lured, we're tempted. And we often don't think about the consequences until we're facing the consequences. 1 John chapter 3, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. Let's read the rest of this together. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. We can win in this battle. Why? We've gotta get serious about this battle that we're facing. Because you can defeat temptation. You can be saved. You can have the truth and the truth set you free. You can be freed from the traps. Why? Because the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. I'll give you one more fact about the enemy is that he is subject to our God. He trembles at our God. He already had one fight that lasted uh, about the length of a lightning bolt, about the time of a lightning bolt. He trembles at our God. And when you align yourself with God you become as victorious as God is with the devil you might write this down the power and presence of Christ destroys the devil's work I just referenced Philippians 2 here you've heard this before this passage this is where it says God elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor gave him the name above all names that at that name Of Jesus every knee should bow listen to this now in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father this is why we boast in the name of Christ in the name of Jesus we lift up we worship the name of Jesus why because names have power There are powerful names at work in your life. Cancer is a powerful name. Debt is a powerful name. Addiction is a powerful name. Depression, if you've ever been depressed, you know it's a powerful name. But there is a name that carries weight There is a name that because of what He's done and because of who He is that is above every other name. And the power and presence of Christ destroys the victory of other things in your life. And we forget to respond. This is why Paul is writing this. Don't forget to respond in this other realm, in this other reality. I'm not saying we don't respond in the natural. We get sick we get treatment. We go to a doctor. My my help is in the natural. But friend, my hope is in the supernatural. My help may be in the natural and God may be providing that way, but my hope is in the supernatural. And so our first response is to get together, to take our stand, to fight this battle called spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare where the forces of of evil are facing the forces of good, where the kingdom of light wages war against the kingdom of darkness. For the Christian, what is spiritual warfare? What does that mean? I love this definition. Spiritual warfare is the leveraging of everything that God promises against everything that opposes God's purposes. Spiritual warfare is the leveraging of everything that God promises against everything that opposes God's purposes. You take your stand, how? With the promises of God to leverage those against what the enemy is trying to do, to oppose God's work in your life and those around you. So the answer here is to lean into the promises of God. The the answer here is not to lean into hey, let's do a whole series on the devil and study the devil, or let's go uh, get our, our mind you know, wrapped around the enemy. No, the answer is the promises of God. You've got to be aware of the adversary. But as we see, the Apostle Paul gives us an answer here. What's the answer against the schemes of the enemy? It's to put on the armor. So Paul is sitting there, he's writing to uh, the Ephesians, and he's sitting there in prison, chained in Rome, in this prison in Rome, chained maybe even likely with one hand to a Roman guard, and he's thinking, how can I paint a picture of the, of the victory that can be in these people's lives? And he's writing with one hand, he's saying, how can I picture for the Ephesians the victory that can happen, and he uses a Roman soldier, the things that make them victorious in battle. And it's a real common picture. If you want to win at anything, you've got to have the right uniform in place. You've got to have the right gear in place, the right battle in place, right? I mean, when's the last time you saw saw a basketball team show up in scuba gear? That doesn't happen. Like, that's ridiculous. When's the last time you saw someone wanting to win a 100-meter dash In a football uniform. Like these, there's just some basics, some fundamentals that if you want to win in this competition, if you want to finish this race, if you want to fight this battle, you got to put on the right thing. And Paul says, what's the right thing for the Christian to wear? And he starts talking about the armor of God. Ephesians 6, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The word stand comes up a couple of times in that verse. The whole theme of this series is is being able to stand in the armor of God, to put on the armor of God. It's, It's one thing to know about the armor of God, it's one thing to know that there's something available to you somewhere. It's quite another thing to, to put it on, to take it into action. And so this is going to be a very practical series as we walk through these things of truth and righteousness, everything listed there. And I don't want to just talk about these things that, that like to inform us about these or us to be informed about them. I want us to focus on how can we put this on? How can we instill this into our life? that it helps us face the battles that we're facing, that we thought were against maybe flesh and blood or another person or uh, uh, something political happening in our climate or or the rulers of this world happening on this world. But it's really something deeper. How can we actually instill things into our life that help us face these battles? We get to put on the armor of God. Now, the writer doesn't say, recognize that it's already put on for you. He says, there, there's some things, but you've got to make a choice. And more often than not, we try to put on our own armor instead of God's armor. And we've got to lay down our own schemes, put our own way aside to be sure that we can win this battle and face this battle. The way to victory, we're going to find out, is through these things that God has given us that we can put in our lives. This, the, this choice is incredibly important for a couple of reasons. One is battles are guaranteed. They are going to be a part of everyone's lives. It's not that something is wrong with you. It's not that you're a better sinner than everyone else because you're facing battles or suffering or problems. It's part of this life. Jesus himself faced battles when he was here. Battles are guaranteed. But number two, victory is possible. I want to give you uh, God's definition of victory from this passage that we just read. What is victory? Victory is standing at the end. L- Life is a marathon. And have you noticed that everybody who finishes a marathon, regardless of where they placed, there is a deep sense of satisfaction and victory when you've had an accomplishment like that, when you've been able to finish something like that. And every one of us, it doesn't matter where you where you are where you're placing, we're in a marathon. And for me, for God, for here, the definition of victory is being able to stand firm, to be standing at the end. It's important to me personally because one of my goals uh, is, is that to finish well. I think it's a goal every one of us should have, to finish well. And there are a lot of Christians who start well. A lot of people, a lot of pastors who begin well, start well. A lot of Christians who, man, when their kids were growing up, they spent a lot of time with the Lord. They were growing spiritually and then the kids leave home and it's sort of maybe the parents drift away from the Lord. There's not the same passion or vision that there, there once was. A lot of people when they first come to know Christ, a lot of excitement, enthusiasm, but then it sort of wanes. They don't finish well. God's definition of victory is to put on the battle armor so that you can be standing when the day of evil comes, so you can be standing victoriously through all of life's battles that have come at you. Whenever I see older pastors or older people that are still living out their faith passionately, even in, in their last days, they're still creative, they're still thinking of ways they can really live for the Lord reach the lost. I love to get around those people, don't you? Don't you love to be pe- around people that have, they've gone, they have been through the journey and they are still passionately in love with God. Still passionate for the people in their life and for the ways of God. I, it's just so attractive to me. It's just something I want to be around. It's something I want to have. I mean, it, if you ask my wife, one of my daily prayers is God Save me from becoming a grumpy old man, please. I can feel it wanting to happen. I can feel the gravitational pull. Lord, just rescue me from that. Keep the creativity alive, the passion alive, the drive alive. And it doesn't mean, I'm not saying that gears don't change throughout life or that there shouldn't be retirement or that there aren't different seasons of life. Do not hear this, this wrong. What I'm saying is through all the seasons of life, you keep the armor of God on. And it's a challenge for all of us. The enemy doesn't want us standing at the end. He doesn't want us to be able to know what to do with the day of evil. But how's it going to happen? How are we going to stand? The way to victory is to put on God's armor. You know, all these things, if you look at all those things underlined, on all of the, all of the armor of God, do you know what that is? It's a summary of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. Righteousness. There's no way any one of us can be righteous without Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is righteousness. The gospel of peace is the gospel of Christ Jesus. Faith. We are to have our faith in Christ Jesus. There's no faith apart from Christ. Salvation comes through Christ. The word of God God says Jesus is the Word. The Word was God. The Word is with God. The Word is God that we are to put on. How do you make it standing at the end? You put on Jesus Christ. You be found in Christ. So that's this series. Let's let's pray to that end. Let's set up our hearts to that end. Prepare our hearts to receive the armor of Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you encourage your church today. Encourage that single parent. Encourage that marriage. Encourage that person who can't make ends meet. Help us to confront our enemy with this powerful armor and powerful weapons that you've given us. And Lord, we just come to you today uh, with a confession to you. We align ourselves with you. We confess to you that we cannot make it on our own. We cannot win this battle on our own, with our own armor, our own schemes, our own ways. And Lord, we confess to you that we need to fully surrender our life to Jesus. So just turn to him in your heart and mind and say, Lord, I surrender to you. God, save me from my sins. Lord, I-, I am facing temptation or a trap of the enemy or I may be blinded in some way. Lord, I ask you to give us light, give us hope. Just say to him, Lord, save me from my sins. God, I need not just another system not just another rule, not just another thing. I need a savior. I need someone strong enough to save. And that is you, King Jesus. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Teach me to do your will. Thank you for new life. And you have mine. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.